to Life in the Land of the Ice and Snow. My name is Heather, and I'm here with my co-host, Shayna. Whoop, whoop. And Diego will be joining us after a while. He has a laundry time, and his laundry isn't quite done yet. Swedish problems, though, right? Yes, very much. Hashtag Swedish problems. Swedish apartment problems. But our guest today is Sibo. Am I pronouncing that correct? Absolutely correct. Yes. Um, Sibo is my name. Uh, my full name is actually Sibongile, but I go by Sibo. But that's really pretty. I like that. Well, Sibo, it's very nice to meet you. And you are originally from Zimbabwe, right? Yes, that's Yes, correct. super exotic for me, at least. I don't know much about Zimbabwe, except for that you have Victoria Falls. And there are many, many different languages in the country. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know how many. However, I grew up thinking we only had three languages. Um, English being like the commercial language since we're a, a former British colony. Right. And then um, we had Shona, which is my, Chishona is um, my mother tongue. And then the other half of the country has uh, Ndebele, which is very similar to Zulu. Um, so those, I think, are the bigger languages that everybody knows. And then we have a lot of different tribes as well that have different languages. Do you speak all of the main three? I mean, obviously English. <laughs> <laughs> I try with the English. I try. <laughs> um, I speak English and um, Shona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always wanted to learn how to speak Ndivele, and it's it's still on my life goals. I will get there one day, I hope. But uh, right now, I would imagine you're having to deal with Swedish, unless you've already mastered that. I... Not there yet. Okay. Not there <laughs> yet. But I am proud to say that my um, four-year-old, who was actually born in Sweden, has just started speaking Swedish now. Oh. Um, he's been fighting it for the last four years. He turned four a couple of weeks ago and suddenly it's like this Swedish flower is blooming in his language. So I'm pretty sure that's going to improve our Swedish language proficiency in this household. I think so. That was a good way for me to learn a lot of things, too, was by having kids because you get a lot simpler words and a lot slower. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of repetition. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I think as well, I think, you know, when you move to Sweden, they should give you a kid, right? Like, because kids are the easiest ones to, like, practice with. Because they're they're going to judge you. But they're going to judge you. But it's going to be, like, less of an evil sort of judge. Yeah, that's right. They are pretty blunt, though. They will tell you, you know, nope, nope, you're not pronouncing that right. And they'll say it in front of people. But, you know, sometimes you need that. They mean well. They mean well. So what has your son been speaking before? Just English? Yeah. So he's been um, like 100% English. And um, he has actually converted a couple of the other kids in his 100% Swedish daycare to speaking English, which has been fascinating. Um, His older brother, um, he's turning nine on on Friday, actually. He um, is fluent in Swedish and English. And then he's learning Shona. He's doing virtual classes for that. And then he's learning some French from his dad because his dad is fluent in French. Excellent. I think the younger, the better for kids learning languages they just soak it all in and I I find though like with the Shana that he's learning now um, we just wanted the language but at some point you kind of have culture meeting language 
which I really like because his world is so much bigger. Like, you know, he'll tell you about croissants and how you should do this because the French do that. And, you know, then he'll go into Swedish and he'll, you know, touch on the Swedish culture. So for me, it's really fascinating to just watch how big his world is in comparison to how I grew up. I mean, I was quite exposed, but I wasn't that deeply rooted in different cultures. So that's a really good point. And that's something that I don't think a lot of us consciously think about when it comes to new languages is that it really, if you want to get it down, you have to have the culture behind it. Or a lot of things don't even make sense. The best Swedish teacher I had in one of my SFE classes was the one who taught us how to, he took us around Stockholm to help us learn the city. He would talk about the different apartments and how it was in the different decades. We would try different Swedish foods. And I think it's so much more than just learning to say, hello, tuck. Yeah. And I think it sticks better as well because you can associate now. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I saw that in that apartment. That's a fraud. It definitely yes. is a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> That word took me like four years to find out. I was like, what are these people talking about? Oh, storage room. I get it. <laughs> I love that word. I love that word so much. I need more for roads in my life, though. I was trying to stall a bit until Diego pops up to get your background. But um, that, that Tvetsuga time, right? It tends to, tends to eat up more than you realize. Shayna, do you use a Tvetsuga? No, and I have so much respect for everyone that does. It sounds like it's a battle. <laughs> it is. Um, Sibo, do you use a Tvetsuga at your place? or No, currently no, but I will tell you that um, when we first moved to Sweden, we were living in a temporary apartment for a couple of months, and I searched everywhere looking for a washing machine after two weeks I said to my husband you need to ask them at work like they need to get the rental company and tell you where this washing machine is hidden and then they're like there's a threat and we're like what is that so after two weeks we put our names up now to get a spot so it took another two weeks so my first month in Sweden I had like a mountain of dirty laundry <laughs> And the oh, Tvetsuga was like way up in the attic in this apartment building. It was creepy. It was dark. It was just like, yeah, it was not, you know, that that was like a traumatic experience. Wow. And welcome to Tvetsugas. <laughs> yes. I've never heard of one in the attic. They're usually in the basement. Ours is in the basement. Uh, Diego has come in now from the Tvetsuga, and I'm sure he can tell that we've been talking about him since we're on this subject. Now, I should explain for anyone who doesn't know that the Tvetsuga is the where you go, like if you have a shared apartment building. A lot of apartments just don't have room for washer and dryer. Like we have a washer, but we don't have a dryer, so we use the Tvetsuga to do all our big laundry. But you have to book a time and the process is different everywhere. So Diego, tell us about your uh, Tvetsuga in your apartment building. Well, here it's very, it's, oh, it's organized. It's a more modern. Usually you get these like little cylinders thing or like a list as a traditional way to book these things. Like you get right. a cylinder and so on. But that's because all of you guys probably live in smaller building or maybe it's a newer building. You have a electric thing. But here, and I know I have to describe this for our so your, your apartment building is is on the Netflix series Snobba Cash. So exactly. I mean, yeah, so, we can ah. all take a look. 
So if you check Snabakash, the, the series, they're actually filming. It's, my, it's, not, it's not only my apartment, it's like outside my apartment. Like it's my neighbors, like from my, like across the, the, the door from me, like the door in front of me. So yeah, we're so many that you need to have this electronic system. It's very old. It's, it's from the 90s, maybe, or 2000s, maybe. Because it's like, it's like uh, I mean, you, you don't, it's not like you, it's not nice. Let's put it that way. You just bleep a thing. <laughs> You have like two options and it's like three buttons. It's all metal to last forever. And that, that's it. But it's, it's not nice as in, it's not user-friendly. Okay. Which by the way, now I have less hours. If I would book in the evening, I get one more hour. But on the day, ah. it's just it's one ah. less hour. I don't know why. I don't know why they, they reward people that want to do it in the <laughs> evening. But I know. So, I mean, generally, I think everywhere you get a, a block of time that you have to book to do your laundry. And being Sweden, people book like a week ahead of time when they're deciding to do to do their laundry. So if I don't know if you have an accident of some kind at home <laughs> and you need the washing machine, you might be stuck for a few days. Our laundry situation, you can book online, which is really nice. Such an improvement of the places we used to live because, yeah, we've had where you put it like a little cylinder with a key to lock your space on a chart. We've also had where you just write on a piece of paper. And so the evil people in your apartment building come and scratch out your name and steal your time. It's a major Swedish faux pas to steal somebody's laundry time. I've had an ongoing feud with one girl in my building because she tried to steal my time once. And we do not get along to this day. See, but what about the cleaning the, the filter? Do you do that every time? Cleaning the filter in the Tread Studio? Yes. I didn't oh, even no. know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's remember that. So you're supposed to, when you're done with the dryer, you're supposed to clean out the filter for the next person. Oh, so that one. No, that one, yes. That oh, one, okay, yeah. okay. I was going to say, it's good to remember that maybe not everybody knows that. <laughs> no, so that one is- I know. This is fascinating about laundry times, of course. So we have to back up now. And please tell us how you came to Sweden, why you came to Sweden, and any kind of like surprises you encountered. Okay, I will try and um, keep it as brief as possible. There have been quite a few turns in the journey. So I uh, grew up in, well, I was born in Zimbabwe, um, went to school there. And then in my teens, moved to Australia, finished high school there as well, university. Then after that, I moved to Tokyo. And I I moved to Tokyo. Initially, I just wanted something different. I didn't know that Sweden was in my future, but I wanted something, you know, a country that didn't have English. The culture in Zimbabwe and Australia was quite similar, um, seeing that we both have a lot of British influence historically. So I felt like everything was very similar. The climate was very similar. And it was also like kind of my parents' choice. It wasn't really mine. So I wanted to do something for me. And initially, I decided to go and take a gap year, a working holiday, move to Tokyo, teaching English, which was a thing at the time. And I got to Tokyo, started working, it was really good. Two or three months into the job, the company I was working for filed for bankruptcy. So three months into this amazing adventure, um, really loving it. And there's 7,000 English teachers unemployed in Tokyo. 
So obviously I couldn't get another English teaching job. It, that just wasn't going to happen. So I um, then started working for a financial planning company over there, um, servicing the expat community. So I got to work in English, which was really handy. Ended up staying four years instead of one. Really loved it. Then after that, I moved back to Zimbabwe. I really felt like, you know, I needed to give back. I needed to save the world, you know, uh, all that emotional feel-good stuff. Right. Moved back, got involved with a couple of uh, projects that my mom was working on, empowering um, widows who were either living with HIV or who had been affected by HIV by losing their spouses, they were breadwinners and so on. So um, helping them get life skills that could improve their lives economically as well. So I did that for a little bit. Then, of course, ran out of money and realized I need a job, a real job. So <laughs> I joined a startup that was doing corporate finance and stockbroking. And I did that for a little while. But I think when I went on my exploring trip while thinking of moving back to Zimbabwe, um, my mom was invited to a barbecue by a friend of hers. And I went to this barbecue and I bumped into my now husband who was visiting for a weekend from the US. And so that kind of changed the trajectory of our lives. I didn't want to leave Zimbabwe at the time. He he wanted to come back to the continent, but Zimbabwe, maybe not. So um, he moved to South Africa. We dated for a while. And then we got, I think then he moved to London. Then uh, we got engaged. So he moved to Zimbabwe. Then we kind of did a little bit of moving around. We moved to South Africa, then to Rwanda. And at that time, he had started working for a Swedish company. So we moved around with them for quite a while. And then the next stop was uh, Sweden. However, we only found out we were moving to Sweden three weeks before we landed. We were told we were moving, which was normal. We had packed up our house. Um, the moving company had taken everything. And we were moving to Australia, where I have family support. And we had, uh, how old was he? Three, three-year-old? at the time. So it was perfect with family. I'd even found schools in Melbourne. I knew like I was, you know, telling my husband, this will be your commute to work. You know, this is, these are the back roads and everything and feeling really excited about going back to Australia. And then three weeks before, because he would need a work permit in Australia, they said, that's going to take too long. We just need you out now. So we moved to Sweden and here we are. Quite a difference from what you were expecting. <laughs> What was your initial reaction? And did you know anything about Sweden before you moved? I had, I mean, I knew Sweden from like a lot of uni students in Australia or from the Nordics. So I had spent a lot of social time with a lot of Swedes and Norwegians, but I'd never really been interested in knowing a bit more about, you know, the countries or their cultures. It was just kind of, yeah, there are a lot of Swedes on campus. We hang out. We love to party and it's all good. So it was a bit like uh, Sweden. Okay, but no, but, um, and initially it was, okay, you'll be in Sweden and then you'll move on to Australia. But I know how these things work. Like once you move, everybody forgets what they've told you for some reason. So um, yeah, we landed in Sweden and it was cold. We were, we left Johannesburg. It was about 41 degrees. We got to Sweden, Stockholm. It was 
about seven degrees, but it felt like minus 30. Especially um, compared to that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, cold. It was, we had no daycare. So I was like 100% mom, teacher, everything with a three-year-old all day. Oh. I knew no one. And I was just like, this is, this is a mistake. This is a big mistake. And on the other hand, um, my husband, Kai, was in heaven. Like he was working with the same people. He was like, this is so cool. And life was just really great for him. So you can imagine when you're like not having a great time and you're living with someone who's just living their best life. Yeah, it was difficult. <laughs> it was somewhat <laughs> difficult. It made me hate the country even more. <laughs> Especially when you really weren't prepared and it wasn't really your choice to come here. It's just circumstance. But I, I find it fascinating. Like you seem to be quite an adventurer in wanting to try out new things and and just with all the moving around, it's it's so exciting. I, I would imagine that would help you a little bit in adapting to a new place. But I, again, you chose to go to Tokyo and you chose a lot of other places. Oh, man. So how long did it take you to like get settled in a little better to find you said you had to you were in a temporary apartment for a while before you found a place did the company help you find somewhere or were you guys on your own yeah they helped us find somewhere um so i think about two two to three months in we moved to um solentuna and then we were kind of there for up until last year i think and yeah, that just became home for us. Um, the, yeah, my son was in school there, but it took a very long time to get settled, so to speak. It was, um, yeah, very tough the first year. And um, SFE was not a great experience for me. Um, I, I didn't have a good teacher and um, it was just, yeah, it was also not like the social hub that I was expecting in some mm -hmm. ways. Oh, I should jump in for anyone who doesn't know, and SFE is uh, Swedish for immigrants. Uh, so it's like the free, it's offered for free for all of us who move here. So you get money if you complete it on time. What? No, not when I, yeah. not when I did it. Not when I did it or nobody told me. But how, when, <laughs> how long have you been here, Sibon? Um, This is my fifth year. I think you could have, maybe you didn't look at it, but did you finish it? Did you finish the thing? I finished it and I looked into it, but it could have, but I know it definitely wasn't applicable for me. Um, okay. But a lot of things weren't applicable to me that uh, some of my SFE colleagues got because my husband is a British citizen. So mm. um, like if you're from the EU previously. At the time, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, we don't get a lot of the benefits because they say you're just here temporarily and you're going to leave. So, I mean, even with like um, trying to find employment and getting support from Abed's Familien, the, the, what do you call it? The work employment uh, agency, government yeah, employment. employment. Yeah. 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 I didn't get any support with that. Yeah. And I kept trying to say, but I'm from Zimbabwe. <laughs> I'm from Zimbabwe. And they're like, well, on paper, you are a citizen, you're a family member of a citizen of the EU. So yeah, I had to figure it out. So we were talking uh, about something else on another conversation. So bringing it into this one. Number one, do you guys all realize the weather and how gorgeous it is outside today? Yes, Shayna, you scheduled this podcast on like the first day of actual spring summer. And now we're all stuck indoors. 
it's 25 degrees outside and we all need to get outside after this. Definitely. But um, no, I think Sibo and I were talking previously about some awesome camping. Uh, and I think that it's something considering that a lot of us are probably going to be staying in the country again this year, this summer. Maybe we can talk about this new, not even new experience, but new to me. I'm going to be going camping for the first time ever in Sweden. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But you've yeah, never it's... done camping before, Shina? Oh, I've done camping before, yeah, but not in Sweden. Mm. What like, about not you, proper Sibu? tent camping. I, um, I hadn't camped since I was a kid in school, pretty much. We never camped as a family. My dad was absolutely against it. He's like, you know what? I grew up in the village. I grew up in poverty. Ain't no way you're going to tell me that this camping thing is glamorous. He's not having it. So I camping's really never been on the radar for me. And then with the pandemic, we just decided to try it out. And we spent a lot of last summer uh, camping. And um, it's probably going to be on our plans again this summer. And um, we have my mom who is locked down with us as well. So it's been fun traveling around Sweden with her and seeing her experience as well. Spots. I have a lot of gear, by the way, if you guys. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, right. Need we any. got somebody to borrow from. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, when I started dating my girlfriend, I had already camping gear and she already had camping gear. And then we picked up some of her camping gear she had left in Colorado. So now we have three of everything. It's like, we have too much. Like, we're only okay. two people. We have four <laughs> tents. Like, oh, wow. Why? One yeah, for cooking, one for sleeping. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> saving your number right now. Yeah, <laughs> you could put all those together, have like a little kind of tent city yeah. mansion thing. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've only done it once, but it's not really, it doesn't really help anything. Because there are different heights, the different mm. heights. So one is like, like long, one is, yeah, no, it doesn't work. Sibo, have, are you, do you using tents or like one of, or like a RV or one of those like car roof tent things or cabins? What, what are you, what are you doing when you go out? So we, we, we were using tents and um, we actually did Alamans Rotten um, mm-hmm. quite a bit uh, last year. We have to explain again, is uh, is the law in Sweden that everybody can go wherever they like. Uh, the land is for everyone and you can camp on people's property, but you are supposed to inform them first and be maybe like a certain distance away from wherever their dwelling is. I, I think that's generally the idea. I'm probably missing some parts of it. Anyway. Yeah, we did that. And then we did um, a camping village as well on the West Coast. Um, and then we did a cabin as well. But I think this year we wanted to do an RV, but it's like so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that, especially since yeah. last year. Yeah, it's really expensive. Um, so we're still trying to think because, um, yeah, like I said, my mom's here. So we won't all fit in one tent and we need to shake it up a little bit. There you well, go, Diego's, Diego's got, got the tents one. for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Diego's got one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the spots that you went to last year or that you're thinking about going to? We went to Hergekusten, uh last last year. We did quite a few different spots um, up on the coast. Um, then we, we came down to Sundsvall and then we went to the West Coast um, near Halmstad, Varberg, Falkenberry. So this year we're hoping to do probably Vennen and Vetten. 
Lake Vannon and yeah, mm-hmm. Lake Vatten. Yeah, those are the the main spots we want to get to. Um, we did Ostersund in the winter, mm-hmm. but we didn't camp okay. there. We, we used a cabin. We used a <laughs> cabin. But um, I mean, it's been a great year to discover the country and yeah. to really just, I mean, we're locked in, but there's still a lot to do. And Sweden is such a beautiful country. It really is, especially when the weather gets nicer, like now. But uh, let's all hibernate from November to April otherwise. No, no, no. I loved the winter this last year. It was a really good winter. My 64-year-old mom was sledding. It was so much fun. It was so (laughs) much fun. Like we had proper snow. I mean, we went from sledding to ice skating to, you know, I mean, it was just so much activities and so much fun. It was better this year, yeah, with the snow. I think the year before was very boring, but but this year we did have more of a proper winter. But that was nice. Had your mom ever been sledding before? No, first time. Cool. And I was so anxious because I was like, you're kind of my responsibility when you're in this country. <laughs> I don't want to be saying to your kids, your mom broke a leg. Like, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Well, I'd see that we're actually pretty short on time now, and I know that everyone's anxious to get outside and enjoy the nice weather before it rains. Oh, I have to do. Days. I have to do laundry. I of have course, to laundry you do. <laughs> 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 this is totally going to be the laundry episode now. But um, <laughs> thank you so much for visiting with us, and I think there's so much more we could talk about. But um, these days, Zoom leaves us no choice but to cut things short. It is good. It is good that way. It, it is good to be disciplined, I think. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. Now, everybody go outside and enjoy some sunshine today. Take care. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. <laughs>